0: It is really starting to take off now. There are going to be more of these connected speakers that people can kind of shout at across the room and get to do things for them. The trend is that uh, more people will end up doing what you have done.
1: I'm Francis Manfield and welcome to Inside Telstra Labs. Today we are talking to Andrew Scott, who is our head of technology here at Telstra. And we're going to be talking about the top five consumer technology trends for 2018.
0: That's a fantastic thing in terms of the health of our society.
1: Head of technology is a pretty broad and general sounding title. How do you describe it to your daughters? Generally I talk about how
0: my role is to find the the new technologies that are going to make a difference to Telstra and then figure out how to bring them into the organisation.
1: Well I'm sure they'll appreciate that when when they get to that age. We are going to talk today about the consumer technology trends for 2018. This is really about how everyday life for everyday people will change next year because of technology. So if we talk about voice assistance to start with, I have some voice assistance technology in my house and then I noticed actually just over this weekend just past, we was not in our house. I had loaned it out and my dependency on it became extremely clear immediately. So if the, is the trend that next year my dependency is going to be uh, just what, five times as bad? I
0: think that the, the trend is that... Uh more people will end up doing what you have done. So you've been an early adopter Mm. and what we're seeing in the market is that more people will start to embrace the same thing, that there are going to be more of these connected speakers that people can kind of shout at across the room and get to do things for them to find out what the weather is or to start playing the latest song that they want to listen to or to answer a tricky maths question. You're going to basically... Just speak and it will do what you want it to do.
1: Hmm. So are there like, compared to how we use it at the moment, are there particular you know advances that you think it will make next year or new things that people will use it for? I think
0: what we're seeing in the next 12 months is that there'll be more different types. So we've got at the moment here in Australia the, the Google-based one, and I would imagine to see in the next 12 months that we'll see Apple's, we'll see Alexa's, uh, the one from Sonos has come out. So there's just going to be a plethora of these different connected speakers to suit anyone's particular choice of, of uh, technology supplier or, or what they want to want to integrate with. So in particular, we've got different ones which are kind of cheap speakers that might not sound so good, but if you just want simple answers to questions, then they're fine. And then others which have quite advanced speakers in them that sound really good for music. And so, if you're the sort of audiophile, you can fit them out throughout your whole house and have a bit of a, you know, you put on a party if you want. <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that does sound good. What do you think is the most commonly asked question to voice assistants at the moment?
0: The top applications tend to be things like uh, a timer, like a kitchen timer. It's a good hands-free application. So, if someone's trying to cook something and they just want to know, you know, give me a, you know, tell me when three minutes has passed. Then that's a that's a high use application. Another one is around news. So people just kind of want to know what the latest news is. And then the other really popular one, of course, is music. And that's why companies like Sonos have started to get really interested in, in making sure that their speakers are connected in the same sort of way. And Gartner predicts, I think, by 2020 in the US, three quarters of US households will have a connected speaker. So this thing is going to be huge. Well,
1: if we move on to uh, another one, which I think... Uh, both children and adults are enjoying, which is esports. Um, I think the point of this trend is that esports is now a really big deal globally. So is it just that this is what Australia's sporting culture, the next evolution that everyone's going to be involved in?
0: Well, Australia has a huge sporting culture. You know, we're very big on our different sporting codes. Uh, I think, though, that esports has been much bigger overseas. And mm. what we're seeing now maybe over the coming 12 months in Australia, is it to really take off. We've now seen a, a mainstream TV channel really start to sponsor esports. We're seeing some esports leagues start to pop up and we're seeing Australians actually starting to compete uh, at these international competitions where there's real prize money on the line, you know, millions of dollars uh, if they if they win. And we're seeing Australians actually bring some of that back home. So it is really starting to take off now. And in terms of people actually visiting an esports arena, that's even starting to happen where they're not just watching it on Twitch. Um, but uh, for the Overwatch World Cup qualifier that happened in Sydney a few months ago, that was at a venue in Sydney that is often used for uh, large award ceremonies or um, or musicians that are coming to town. So I think James Blunt, for example, plays at this particular venue. So there seem to be a huge amount of interest. The streams on Twitch, obviously Twitch is a, a major... Sort of video streaming service for watching uh, games being played. So we're seeing things like the League of Legends, Counter Strike, Dota 2, these are all hugely popular on Twitch. And so people are willing to sit there at home and watch them. And the advantage in actually going to a venue is just the atmosphere. It's the same as watching live sports versus sports on your TV. You get to the the venue, and you're barracking for your team and all the other spectators that they're also barracking for their team and really getting into it. And that's the excitement, I think. And as people start to follow these things at home, they'll pick their different teams that they want Mm -hmm. to, to follow. And then when their team's at a venue, they can also then be there as well and support them.
1: So we saw this past year Pokemon Go going crazy, of course, uh, and that's it's sort of in a, in a game related context for augmented reality. So what what is then the trend, what's next that we're going to see next year?
0: Augmented reality really has come out of gaming. That seems to be you know a space where the technology started. but I think now what we're seeing that's uh, really accelerating it is that AR technology and the the software that enables it is now baked into devices from Apple and Google. Just in the last few months, both of them have released versions of the operating system that have this kind of code. And so this enables people to build more apps that use AR more easily. And so we're going to see just a, a proliferation of different applications that use AR. So we're going to see more games. Um, and one of the fun things is the kind of these categories of games where people can see little cute things in their environment and then interact with them, sort of much more like you know, the Pokemon sort of, scenario. Uh, we'll also see a bunch of utility applications. So things where people are trying to measure their room for things like furniture or measure a garage for a car so that basically instead of having to pull out a tape measure and kind of run around, it's much more convenient to kind of just pick up your device, point it at the different corners of the room, tap some parts of the screen and it will tell you then what you can buy. And so that'll make it much more easier for people to do purchase of the big bulky items online.
1: Mm, I feel like uh, the Australian tradition of going to Bunnings. Uh, getting overexcited, buying a lot of DIY stuff and then never finishing the project that that may increase with (laughs) with supported by AR?
0: That's right. People might be, um, they might feel more confident with all the measurements of their rooms and things. So hopefully they uh, they follow the kind of measure twice, cut once sort of school of thought. Australians really do love their kind of DIY projects. So Mm. uh, we'll see probably more of that.
1: So transport as our next trend that we're going to talk about. Um, I mean, Uber's obviously been, is, is huge in Australia. Um, we've seen a few driverless car trials onshore. Is next year about actually finally having like mass autonomous vehicles on Australian
0: roads? No, that's still some way away. What we'll be seeing in the next 12 months is people will be getting uh, the ability to try out autonomous shuttles, in particular, so, What's a shuttle? Uh, a shuttle is a, like a small bus that takes you around mm. a particular location. So we've seen them in South Perth in Western Australia. There's been a trial running there and people have been able to get on a little shuttle and have it take them around South Perth. We're now seeing in Victoria that uh, there's a shuttle that's running around La Trobe University in Bandura. In Sydney, there's going to be a shuttle running around Olympic Park. And so people are going to start to get to experience these autonomous vehicles for themselves.
1: And then that would become just sort of normal life for everyone one day?
0: Well, yes, I think we'll see that eventually people will start to use more and more advanced kind of driver assist technologies in their cars. And so that'll help them, particularly in driving on freeways where, you know, long journeys and, and it's, a, it's an easier problem for an autonomous vehicle to be able to navigate on a freeway where you don't have to deal with so much with traffic lights or people stepping out onto the road. Um, it's basically a very self-contained problem and uh, Hence why we're seeing driver assist technologies appear there first.
1: Hmm, cool. Okay. So outside of uh, cars and and small buses, what other sorts of transport changes are we going to see next year? I mean, I've noticed in Sydney, there are all different types of bikes popping up. Is that something that's that's going to get bigger?
0: Yes. Well, both in Sydney and Melbourne, there are all these different bike share schemes and, and they're a bit of a revolution compared to the old types of bike share schemes that we had where you had to dock them. So these are dockless systems where you can grab a bike if you can find one. Uh, You can find them on an app and it tells you where to to look to to just grab one and you can grab it and then you can ride it where you want to take it and you get off and you leave it there. Uh, So it means that you have a lot more freedom on where you can go to. And we're also seeing, uh, just in terms of bikes, we're seeing adoption of e-bikes. So that's electronically assisted bikes. Uh, even my dad has one. Uh, what it's really good for are for people who don't necessarily want to get uh, to their destination and then have to have a shower. So it's, it's helpful when you're kind of going up hills. Um, it's helpful for trying to travel a bit further. And if it gets people out of the house and cycling, then that's a fantastic thing in terms of the health of our society. So it doesn't mean that you can go without pedaling. You still have to pedal, uh, but <laughs> yes. it just makes it a bit easier. But
1: it doesn't fix the problem of helmet hair upon arrival.
0: No, we still need to
1: wear a helmet when we're out in the road. <laughs> right, but uh, that is fair enough. Um, the last trend, which I think is probably my favourite one out of these, is programmable slash educational toys. So it sounds like we're making... Uh, technology fun, which is great and and perhaps a little more accessible to different ages of children. Uh, what What's your take on this? What are, what are you seeing around the place? Well, we've always
0: seen toys getting more and more advanced in terms of their capabilities. They can talk, they can reply, they can sort of dance around. But now we're seeing the ability for the children to be able to customise the toy, that they can actually get the toy to perform actions that they wish, that they can program it. And so even though it's quite... A simple type of programming, it does open up this whole world of coding for kids in a way that they might not even realise they're getting into. And we're even seeing schools start to adopt some of these toys as part of their classroom activities so children can get together and perform tasks in the classroom with toys. We're seeing everything from very low-end, kind of cheap, few tens of dollars kind of toys that you can Uh, program up to hundreds of dollars of toys uh, where they're very advanced and they're quite amazing the sorts of capabilities that you can get them to do. But outside of that, we're also seeing these little development kits that are useful for people to even do activities that they just can dream up themselves, kind of like the the Lego kit of toys. So things like uh, BBC in the UK have come out with the BBC micro bit. And so that only costs about $20 and you can attach little leads to it and make Uh, simple projects like banana keyboards. So the kids can touch the different bananas and it plays different notes or you can have it produce different smiley faces or emojis on the screen. And so it's simple but fun. And uh, yeah, you can do all of this without actually having to touch a computer. You just use it using your smartphone or tablet and write programs for these things.
1: Thank you, Andrew Scott, who is our head of technology here at Telstra. If you love today's podcast and you just cannot get enough of the Telstra technology content, I don't blame you. You can check out our previous episode, which is all about the enterprise tech trends for 2018. You can also check out the Telstra Advantage Behind the Mic podcast series, where we talk to some really amazing business people about their own personal approaches to running a business. Until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Francis Manfield and this has been Inside Telstra Labs.